What these guys have been doing is Jesus. And I want you to see it from his advantage point. In Luke 10.30, Jesus had been asked a question in verse 25 about eternal life. And ultimately, Jesus told him the commandments, you must love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and you must love your neighbor as yourself. And then the question was, well, who is our neighbor? Who do we help? You see, today I want to talk with you along the subject, helping people as Jesus helped them. We got to help folks like Jesus did. Now, grant you, that means when someone comes in in a BMW, some, as someone said, they come in, what, 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 Vicky, what car was it you saw? A Lincoln Town car. Uh, I've never owned one of them, but I probably never will. I'm a truck man. But even if I come into a decked out $75,000 dually, it's just a dream, because I wouldn't pay that much for a truck. Let me tell you something. If you pay that much for an automobile, you need some help. <laughs> My goodness, do you realize how much a payment costs on a truck like that? And that's how I've looked at it. I've chose to look at it like this. If you need one of our boxes, we need your donation. And that's the way we keep the doors open so you know, I know that a lot of people don't want to go use that that may need to use our ministry because you're so close to here. But don't let, it, don't let your pride get in your way. We need your donation, and you need food. Here's what Jesus said in Luke 10, 30. He replied to this man, this religious person, with an illustration, verse 30. A Jewish man was traveling on a trip from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of all of his clothes and money. They beat him up, and they left him half dead beside the road. Our food ministry for 20-plus years has been a ministry where not only has it honored Christ, but I really believe that it honors the scriptural reason why you should have a food ministry. Listen to this verse in Proverbs 28, 7, or Proverbs 19, 17. If you help the poor, you're lending to the Lord, and the Lord will repay you. Now, we don't help the poor, nor do we give to the poor, just so God will lend to us. But it is a promise that God gives us that if we can look outside of ourselves and see other people that are in need and that need our help, that God says, look, I'm expecting you to help them. Proverbs 28, 27 says, he that giveth to the poor shall not lack, but he that hideth his eyes shall have many a curse. You go on and read in Luke 10, you find out that the preacher, the priest, the Levite, the church leader, both of them were walking down the road and they saw somebody beat up, bruised. They needed help, but they looked and went the other way. Now you say, well, Mike, 
Maybe you've asked the church for help, or maybe you've asked a church for help, and they didn't help you. Well, it depends sometimes on what your need is. If you're wanting a, a, a Lincoln town car, or you're wanting us to buy you a BMW, we probably won't do that. There have been times that people would see and give their cars, and I would redirect those cars to people who need them, but, but that's, not, that's just as God gives. But when it comes to helping needy people, when it comes to helping the poor, even, even the Proverb 31 woman cashed in on this in verse 30, 31, 30, she stretched forth out her hand to help the poor, and she reached forth her hand to the needy. If we get to where we're so high and mighty and that we no longer care for the needy and the poor of our community, we're shutting solid rock down. It ceases to have a purpose for existence. My friend, if God put emphasis on this kind of stuff, we better, if he's in our heart, do the same. 1 Corinthians 13, 3, Paul soundboarded this when he said, If I were to bestow all my goods and give to the poor, and though I give my body to be burned as a sacrifice, and have not love, it profit it me nothing. So we don't give just because the need. We give because Jesus has put love in us through himself. We love other people. I got to do a lot of cutting. I don't really want to miss this one. If you watched the President of the United States Deliver the State of the Union address in the last recent years. What you see at one point in the speech is one will point to the balcony and they will recognize an ordinary citizen, a real hero in this country. The one that got the name for being recognized the first under President Ronald Reagan was Lenny Scutney. Reporters will ask, who are the candidates for Skutnik this year? Lenny, minding his own business, a federal worker and employee, was walking down the street, and that particular day, the Air Florida Flight 90 crashed into the Potomac River. Some of you may remember that. He was there to see the ice that had built up on the wings of the airplane forced it down across the 14th Street, Washington Bridge, and into the river. Helicopters began to fly and drop ropes down to help people that were, that were freezing to death in the water. And there were people from the bridge encouraging a lady that was, couldn't even raise her hands. She was so cold and frozen. And finally, Lenny broke through the police barricade, jumped into the river, and risked his own life and brought the lady to the shore. The president of the United States called him a hero. Jesus called him a good Samaritan, a good neighbor. 
You know, I've looked at Jack like that with my own eyes. And I've seen with my own eyes his willingness to help people from the love of Jesus in his heart. You see, first of all, when we look at this text, we see the condition of a hurting man. You see, the Bible tells us in verse 30 that he was a man on the way, traveling on the road, the Jericho Road, Jerusalem, from Jerusalem down to Jericho. That road was nothing other than a path back in that day. And on that path were robbers and thieves and muggers. It was a road that was twisted with cliffs and above rocks on each side. And and there were many places that you could be robbed. This particular man had been wounded desperately. The Bible says that he was in need of medicine. He was in need of clothing. He was in need of food. He needed somebody to help him. You see, he was a hurting man. Now, sometimes, I know I've counseled a few times myself through the years, and and, and I know the counselors in the food building and the workers in the food building see this where verse 30 says people come up and they're beaten up. Let me tell you something. There's a lot of people maybe in here, you're beaten up. You just don't have the blood flowing on the outside. You just don't have the the bruises and the scars and the cut to go with it. You're beaten up. And every week, in three sessions, people will come in beaten up and wounded. Some of them wounded domestically. What do you mean by that? Well, they've gone through family split-ups, and, and, they get, and they've been rejected and hurt, and their children are in disarray, and they're trying to find out what in the world, where can I get help? They're wounded economically. One particular day, don't know why, possessed me to walk into the food building was a lady standing there, and I knew her. As a matter of fact, where I knew her was in Christian school, back when my kids were going to the tabernacle over on the expressway. She was a teacher. Her and her husband did well for themselves. And I, like some of you, I went, what's she doing here? (laughs) She called me real quickly, and she said, Mike, I've got a terminal disease. And I'm going to die. And me and Randy are struggling. And thank God that you have this food ministry here because it's helping me and my husband. He lost his job. We are economically ruined. And here I am dying. I don't know, but I think she did finally pass away. Single moms are trying to raise and make ends meet in their families uh, financially. There are people who come all the time throughout our church and and through the ministries that are unskilled and uneducated, and oftentimes they feel unloved. So you that are working in the food ministry, do you realize the significance that you have to smile and show love to a world that's beat up? They're beat up. They're wounded emotionally, filled with bitterness, filled with anger and frustration, all kind of problems. 
They have fallen among thieves. And people have been taken from them. Many of them walk into our food building totally helpless, totally hurting, <clears throat> totally naked, stripped of all their pride and self-worth. Many of them walk in there and they're, they're ashamed of having to do this. And, and I, I honestly, it's a blessing when people come to the food ministry and they support it. It keeps the doors open. Did you know that the thieves that this man fell under. They took from him his, 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 his uh, what, what little bit he had. They stole from him. You know, the second thing I'd like to share is the callousness of hypocritical men. But, you know, a thief by nature is a taker. In other words, they look at it, what's yours is mine, and, and I'm going to take it. A little boy opened a refrigerator one morning, and he found the last piece of his mother's awarding-winning chocolate cake. The only problem was it had his little brother's name on it. It wasn't his. All of a sudden, he took it out, and, man, he was eating that fast as he could eat it. His mama walked in and said, Derek, I can't believe that you're eating the last piece. You know that was your brother's. You weren't even thinking of your brother one bit. He said, yes, I was. The whole time I was eating it, I was worrying he's going to come in before I got done. (laughs) Selfish. The Bible says there were two people. Believe it or not, people you wouldn't think were selfish should be selfish. One priest, preacher, thought he was too good. As a matter of fact, it said the Bible hinted that he glanced and then went to the other side of the street. The Levite, most likely a Sunday school teacher, a leader in the church, someone that was familiar. Most likely both of these were on their way, coming from church. And here was a man who was hurting in need. And they, he, ran, he runs into two calloused hypocrites. I believe with all my heart that if you want to shut down a church, the quickest way to do the shut down Solid Rock or any other church is only be concerned about your hind end. Only be concerned about your life, what you've been called to. Because I tell you something. There's a lot of people need us to get our heads out of the sand. And notice, they're in need too. And we can, we can help meet that need. You know why they didn't want to fool with this? They didn't want to get involved. I wonder how many of you here today and you thought about it. You know what? I, I'd like to go and, be, and, and maybe volunteer in the, the clinic. Or I'd like to go volunteer. I'd like to coach in the, in, in the rec league. I mean, we, we need coaches. Or I, I'd like to teach. We need teachers. Or I'd like to do something. But you just don't want to get involved. Well, you find yourself in good company here with the priest, the preacher, and the Levi. 
I read this little article, and I think it best describes this, this whole deal. There was a certain elderly woman that went down from Washington to Richmond and ran over a nail and punctured her tire and left her stranded by the side of the road. How many of you have been stranded by the side of the road and nobody would stop? After raising the hood of her car, she, to- she tied a white scarf to the door handle. She locked the doors and sat in the car praying, Lord, please send somebody to help me. By chance, there came down a limousine that had on its back bumper a sticker that says, Smile, God loves you. When the occupants saw the stranded woman, they passed by in the far lane without even smiling. Likewise, there came a sports car with a CB radio and a bumper sticker that said, Honk if you love Jesus. The man who was driving that car passed in the far lane without even honking and without even raising on the CB 911 or anything to get that woman some help. And then here come an old working man wearing his old blue jeans, going to his traveling to his job in his old pickup truck. Saw the raised hood, saw the white scarf, flat tire, and he had compassion. He stopped his old pickup, with, which had no bumper stickers, and crossed the four-lane highway and offered to change the tire. The woman opened the door, gave him the key to the trunk, and the man took out the spare tire, jacked up the car, removed the flat tire, replaced it with the spare, and when he had finished, the woman tried to pay him, but he said, no, ma'am. If my wife was in this situation and she was stranded, I would only pray that somebody like you, like this situation would happen and somebody would help my wife. He crossed over to the highway into his bumper stickerless truck, smiled, honked his trunk, and went to work. Oh, how we sometimes can be so stinking religious. And we don't help nobody. Oh, yeah, you'll you'll help your kids. You'll help your family. But you know what? Your kids and your family are not the only people on this earth that we're responsible for. You just don't want to get involved. The two men on behalf of Jesus' understanding represented the church of Laodicea who wrote, he said unto the church, I, would, I wish that you were either cold or hot, but because you're lukewarm, he said, I will spew you out of my mouth. I wish you'd just either be in there for me or take a hike. And get right. And then thirdly, we see the compassion of the helping man. This guy, he picked him up. He took him to an inn. He gave him medicine for his hurt. 
He left some silver for the innkeeper to take care of him. He said, if there's anything this man needs over and above what I have given, on my way through, I'll make sure you're repaid. That's a given heart. That's somebody who cares about other people. One day, a man was working in a shoe store, and he looked across the street in wintertime, and he noticed a barefoot little boy outside the baker shop next door to the shoe store. He was trying to keep warm, the little boy was, by standing on the street grates of where hot air was coming up from the bakery, keeping his feet warm because he didn't have any shoes on. The shoe salesman was just sitting there, buffaloed, uncertain what even to do for this little boy. And all of a sudden, a middle-aged lady walked up, whispered in that little boy's ears, and all of a sudden, they were in the guy's shoe store. He said, sir, let me have a pair of socks. Let me have a pair of shoes and, and fit him with his shoes so he can have. And, he's, and he's, he's cold and he's shivering and he needs some help. All of a sudden, that little boy, when he put his socks on, put them new shoes on, he looked at that lady and he said, Ma'am, are you God's wife? She said, No, I'm just one of his children. She said, I knew you was kin to God. You see, we're not only kin to God. We're joint heirs with Jesus Christ. We have an inheritance. A man approached the gates of heaven and asked to be allowed to enter in. St. Peter said, tell me one good thing you've done in your life. The man said, well, I saw a group of punks harassing an elderly lady, so I ran up and kicked kicked the leader in the shins. And Peter said, well, when did that happen? He said, about 40 seconds ago. Sometimes we can get maybe a little too knee deep. (laughs) Or into a situation that we're not really aware of. Maybe you're like the little girl who was in the Sunday school class and the teacher was teaching on the Good Samaritan story. And he said, now, if you saw a person lying in a ditch, beaten up, lying in his own blood, his teeth knocked out, his scalp hanging from his head, what would you do? And the little girl said, I believe I'd throw up. You know, the sad thing of it is, I believe sometimes we make Jesus sick with all of our self-righteousness. With all the things we think that we do. When Jesus just wants us to be Jesus, to let Jesus be Jesus in us and be extended hands to help those that are needy and that are poor. And my friends, you need to pray for Matthew. Pray that he can help us keep this, our food ministry intact. I'm, I, as I see it, and I know this food ministry wasn't Jack's or Hal Calloway's or anyone else when, when I began to pick up food in, uh, plus 20 plus years ago myself. But, but let me tell you something. It needs the volunteers. It needs volunteers. It needs uh, someone at the helm. And you need to be praying for Matthew. It's not an easy job. As a matter of fact, I've been having him keep his hours of how long it takes weekly to get everything done. And it takes 60 hours a week. And that's exactly what Jack was doing. 
for 10 years, 60 hours a week. I thank the Lord that he's got people in the house here that while it does seem like in so many areas of our church, I have no control whatsoever. I I told you I'm a controller. Now, my wife has learned to subdue me controlling her. It's called an eight-pound sledgehammer. No, she couldn't even lift an eight-pound sledgehammer. But, but, you know, sometimes you don't have to hit somebody with something. You can just speak a word, you know what I mean? And when my wife speaks a word, I listen, just like E.F. Hutton, would you say? Then she says, sometimes I don't hear at all. Well, that's true as well. If I get zoned out, all of our guys are guilty, I know. Or not, maybe not everybody, but you guilty guys are guilty of zoning out, and you don't hear, you don't hear nothing. Your wives will say to you, you wasn't listening. Well, I listen. I just don't process it all the time. That'll work for a week or two, guys. <laughs> then you got to think of something else. One thing that we can't zone out is that God has this church and this community for a purpose and a reason. And while things are happening... You know, having to put Sunday school classes together and two trailers. I'm glad glad two of them are going to Damascus Road. I want to see those to be continually used. If they got to be used, I'd rather Damascus Road use them because they're going to continue on what what God let us use for 72 months. And, and, And in the days ahead, I just pray and that you take this very serious, that you need to pray for this church. This church needs revival. We need, we need to get back in touch with God. And, and the Holy Spirit within us needs to be quickened back doing to the work of the ministry. Help us is my prayer every day. And I hope you'll be a part of that. With every head bowed and every eye closed, Father.